Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, this is Doug Farrar, editor of Touchdown Wire, along with Mark Schofield, the, uh, our five-tool guy, as always. The, uh, Mark Schofield, the mock drafter all of a sudden. And as Eddie Murphy said in Trading Places, Merry New Year. Uh, Merry New Year's Eve. Merry, Merry. Uh, as Eddie Murphy and Marshawn Lynch have both said, Merry New Year. Uh, happy to get past 2020. Good Lord. Whew. Yeah. Mark, how you holding up? Um, as we were saying before we hit record, I strongly believe that if you just got to the end of 2020, it's a W. Um, don't care how you got here. Don't care how you made it. As long as you made it, it's a win. So enjoy that. Um, Agreed. Can't believe we're at week 17. I know. This season has just flown by. Can't believe we're already doing mock drafts where, yeah, can't wait for that. You've been attacked on Twitter yet? Not yet. I've oh, got wow. some DMs that are like, did you have to do this? Why did you do this to my team? But nothing publicly yet. What are, what are the what are the offenses? Because um, we got a lot well, to get to, but I want to give your mock drafts some play too. Yeah, I mean a lot of Mac Jones in the first round. Why? I, I kind of wondered that. about that. Um, I, I think if there's going to be a fifth quarterback after the Big Four, it's Mac Jones. Yeah. And I think Mac Jones sort of screams Ron Rivera guy, like that's not going to really screw up do no harm kind of quarterback which they would kind of you know <laughs> they would edge towards that at this point yeah um let's see what else a lot of why are you just doing this to yourself why do you want to do this to yourself on the last day of the year which i guess that makes sense too but i just want to point out as your editor this was your idea i didn't this was my idea um a new year's eve day i'm not i mean i'm a jerk but i'm not that much of a well, I mean, initially my thought was, see, this is what happens sometimes. I, I pitched this to you like earlier this week as something to drop next Monday. And then I started writing it and then it was done. So we were like, might as well just do it now. So this is how we're closing out the year, a, a mock draft, which is, I guess it's the most 2020 thing of all yeah. is to end the year with your first mock draft. of the Well, season. you know, it, here's a, here's an insight into the, you know, the inner workings of journalism. We want to, you know, pump the numbers at the end of the month. Duh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what's better than a mock draft? Um, I, I think what's interesting is a little bit behind the curtain. I've got the whiteboard, which you can see now I had it all sketched out over there and I got to the end and I got through pick 32 and I started going back through my big board and other big By the boards. Way, just to interrupt, do you want to get a second whiteboard and just have Simone do art on? Red? I think I mean, Doug, I might have to. Yeah, I might have to because well, she's going to draw on half of that one and half of the other one. And you're just, you know, maybe like yeah. together because you've seen Simone's drawing for the past two months now. It hasn't moved. Well, you're um, not going to erase that because you'd be dead. I would be. So yeah. I got to the end of it and I'm like, I'm going through and making sure I didn't leave out anybody glaring. And I forgot the Michigan edge, could he pay? Mm. And I was like, Oh, so I had to like go back and redo the whole thing. Um, as you saw, because you saw a couple of write-ups that were like, 
You're talking about an edge, but you're describing a one-tech defensive tackle. What happened? I thought a 253-pound guy from Texas would be an interesting one-tech. Maybe in a Wade Phillips defense. I mean, maybe if we're going sub-packages with one three sevens, like we've seen Patrick Graham do. Brandon Staley would probably do that. He probably would. Um, So, yeah, the first mock is in. Um, I I, I think – it already got, went off the rails at two when I put Zach Wilson to the Jets. I know a lot of Jets fans want that, but I don't. I still don't think the Jets have to force a quarterback at two, but we'll see. Bill Belichick had a lot of interesting things to say about Sam Darnold. That was, Bill Belichick also had a lot of interesting things to say about Adam Gase. I don't even want to get into that because that's just Belichick overpraising a crappy coach. But the yeah. things he said about Darnold, that's different. That I pay attention to. Yeah, I mean, he's got – he's Darnold still can play. Darnold still can play quarterback in this league. And I don't think if you're New York, you have to force your QB two at the second pick overall. You could go a lot of different directions. I know we've already talked about some yeah. of those options that they Especially have. There you trade down, you've got enough, you know, if you re-sign Marcus May, you got uh, Becton, you got some guys. Um, underrated defensive line. Yeah. Um, you know, the hyphen guy, his name I keep forgetting. Uh, anyway. Yeah. So... Blah, blah, blah. That said, as this is the Touchdown Wear Week 17 NFL Preview Matchup Preview NFL Preview Podcast, let's get to the games. Dolphins at Bills. So we're going to get into scenarios here, too. Dolphins will make the playoffs with a win in this game. They could also clinch a wild card spot if the Ravens, Browns, or Colts lose. The Bills have already clinched the AFC East and are likely the two or three seed in the AFC, depending on what happens with the Steelers. Um, the thing with Tua benching Tua for Fitzpatrick. It's the second time they've done that this year. Um, I want to ask your thoughts on where Tua is right now, but I want to bring up one thing the Raiders did with the change in coordinators. i move down to my Raiders notes here. They, and I'm, I'm sure you noticed this, the Raiders, and I'll be interested to see if the Raiders do this to Drew Locke because Drew, it would make Drew Locke's head explode. Tua had very little idea of what coverage he was getting because there were never pre-snap static coverage looks, like never. They were going amoeba from linebacker depth to the secondary, almost creating defensive motion for information and impact, as you expect, would expect an offense to do. Even if there was an obvious, quote-unquote, look pre-snap, it was never the same post-snap. There was always one guy moving around in sort of an undefined joker or robber space, and the safeties were spinning one way or another late. And this does not bode well for Mr. Locke. When Fitzpatrick came in, they did a little more no huddle, a little more tempo, because they kind of had to. But Chan Daly has said previously that, you know, the kind of speed no huddle benefited Tua. And I was surprised they didn't do more of it before they benched him. Because obviously, if you've got a defense that is throwing different looks at you in every play and having to communicate that, I would think the first thing you want to do is speed up the clock. Yeah, and I was very surprised at how they sort of handled two in the game plan, especially when you saw that you like you broke down from the Raiders what they were doing pre-snap to confuse Tua. You'd think you would use tempo to sort of get up, get them out of that yeah. to force them to sort of be more static. And what was interesting was you saw that effects when Fitzpatrick came in, when they were going tempo, there was a lot of static nature to that defense. You look yeah. at some of the reads, some of the throws, that's that safety splitter to Giuseppe. Yeah, you don't have time to communicate. It's not like right. the players get worse or dumber. No. You just can't You can't say, okay, we're spinning from two to three, you know, two reads now this, you're playing palms, whatever. You just don't have time to spit that out. Yeah, so you just kind of have to line up and play. Um, 
as as far as the whole Tua and how Flores is handling that, like I'm still generally okay with sitting a rookie quarterback, a young quarterback down if he's struggling and hurting himself and hurting your team, particularly at this point. Like when they first made the switch to Tua and it was like, you know, this is a team that's arguably in playoff contention. Like you're worried about protecting him for the future. Now you've got a shot at actually getting into the playoffs. And if you keep running the guy out there and lose games as a result, you're going to lose the locker room. Mm-hmm. And so Flores has to Flores is in a tough position right now because he has to balance the future with the present. Like if you go all in on developing Tua and protecting him while sacrificing the opportunity in front of you, because as much as we'd like to think that Miami could pick third in the next year's draft and have two first rounders and really load up for run in 2021 runs don't always come around like things can happen. And so why sacrifice the present? So he's well, in a tough position. If you, shot, if you shot Flores of the true serum, even he wouldn't say, yeah, I expect us to be 10 and five and the five seed. No, 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 no. This was not supposed to be a, a one-year turnaround for them. So the fact that they're in this position, like you have to sort of do what you can to make the most of it. And so they're lucky that they have a backup in Ryan Fitzpatrick that can come in and do what he did, even with his face getting torn off on a throw for the ages. So, you know, I – they're in a tough position, but Flores has handled it the best that he can. Um, I'm very curious to see how Buffalo plays this game. I know McDermott has basically said, look, we're going to play to win. We're going to do, you know, play our starters and stuff like that. I, eh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think it's more important to make sure that everybody gets out of this game alive and healthy if you're Buffalo than anything else. Well, a couple of interesting things. Joe Shad of the Palm Beach Post pointed out that the Dolphins are in line to become the first team in at least the next the last 20 years to finish first in scoring defense. They were dead last in 2019. First in takeaways of 27 and first and third down defense. They're also fifth in red zone defense. Uh, we automatically assume that Flores is in charge of this because he's a defensive coach and had the game plan against the Rams in, in uh 53 but Flores gives a uh, defensive coordinator Josh Blair most of the credit huge obvious test against the Bills if the Bills play their starters but there you are and then Dan Orlovsky of ESPN had a breakdown of uh, Josh Allen threw four touchdowns against the Patriots three to Stephon Diggs but the fascinating one and I, I wrote about this this morning in Anatomy of the Play and I'll the we put up the podcast on touchdown where I'll refer to Dan's piece and to my own uh, this showed that the four, four yard touchdown to Lee Smith, which was Buffalo's first of four passing touchdowns against New England. Uh, really smart, taking a really smart defense to the woodshed from a mental perspective. Pre snap, Allen waves Stephon Diggs in motion from right to left and points to safety Kyle Duggar like that's your guy to block because we're running the ball. Duggar reacts to this by giving his teammates, specifically safety Adrian Phillips, run keys on the backside. Play action at the snap. Smith runs a leak route right over Phillips, who is consumed by the fake and by Allen's pre-snap actions. Meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, Biggs runs out uh, to the right side with J.C. Jackson on him, and he just, you know, at, at a certain point, J.C. Jackson pissed Stephon Diggs off, and you never want to do that. And then uh, Stephon took J.C.'s lunch money, and that was that. But they had uh, Gabe Davis running a crosser from left to right, Dawson Knox running across her from right to left. Either way, Josh Allen went on this play. He had a walk-in touchdown to the right side to Diggs, left side to Smith. And Lee Smith is a blocking tight end who's built like a Ford Bronco who's caught like two passes in his life. Um, I think if you're Brian Dable, if you do that to a Bill Belichick defense, it's time for a frosty beverage, and you're not paying for it. 
No, you're not. Um, and what's interesting is, you know, with all the credit the table is getting for Josh Allen, you know, it's not like he's just saying, here's mirrored Carl Flat, and Ooh. I'm going to make you a good quarterback doing that. The, they are – and I'm more impressed the throw the third touchdown to Diggs where he started the sprint right and wheeled left. Yep. There is a, there is a non-zero chance that was designed. Like, because Allen really wheels around quickly. And, mm-hmm. you know, watching that play, like, it's not like he was getting immediate pressure off that edge and had to spin. You know, there's a non-zero chance. The blocking is there. Like, if you watch that play, the blocking is there. He's still got a pocket. He just sees that that immediate flat route is taken away, so he spins back. There's a non-zero chance that's built into the play. They're toying yeah. with New England's defense. I mean, yeah. Put that, put that in your brain box and process. Right, yeah. Read that. Listen defense. to that again, what Doug just said. They're toying with New England's defense. Now, it's not like New England's defense has been great this year. No, it's, but no. it's a Bill Belichick defense. The man has a defensive game plan against these Buffalo Bills from years ago in the Hall of Fame. So when you can start batting them around like a cat with a little chasing mouse toy, you've done something pretty special. Well, here's the other thing I think, and I – when I really broke that play down, I'm like, okay, they got Duggar on the front side. He's a rookie. Adrian Phillips, uh, first year with the Patriots, six years with the Chargers. Chargers play more zone than any team, you know, ever. So now he's in a more man-heavy, although the Patriots play more cover three, whatever. But if Jason and Devin McCourty are the front side and backside, quote-unquote, suckers on that play, I don't think they're running. I think Dable had that in his quiver. Like, when we get the – and I'm not – when I say mental matchup, I'm not questioning the acuity of either player. Um, but Duggar's a rookie, and this is Adrian Phillips' first year in New England's defense. And, it, you know, it's not like they have the guys they had last year. So I think this was Dable saying, when you get the guy on the front side and the back side, we've been talking about this play for, like, this deception for, like, six weeks. When you get the matchup you want, run it. And that, to me, because we talk about, oh, Dable is scheming Josh Allen up something fierce. And it's never a, it's not a denigration of the quarterback to say how well he's schemed up. You have to, to run a passing offense this advanced, you have to buy in like totally. And Josh Allen was, you know, working with Tony Romo when because of COVID, there were no offseason programs. So Josh Allen is bought in completely. It's just that perfect marriage. And of course, it's going to come to an end in about a month because Brian Dable is going to be a head coach. But it's, you know, Oh, by the way, Kenny Stills is really in Buffalo, so let's give the Bills another deep threat. Like, like they need <laughs> right now, but yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, look, Buffalo's got something special right now. Um, I, I really – looking at the AFC, and we've talked about it before, I, I don't see a team other than Kansas City that's as complete a football team right now in the AFC than Buffalo. Well, we're going to get to Kansas City. I, I don't think the Chiefs are complete right now, and I think it's uh, a very surprising problem. Ravens at Bengals. Ravens will make the playoffs with a win. They can also clinch a wild card spot if the Browns or Colts lose. Ravens are the team nobody allegedly wants to face in the playoffs. I keep hearing this. Um, but this is a team of the quarterback who's supposed to be deciphering stuff downfield. Now, they've advanced their run game a lot in the last month. I think what happened is they were kind of toying early in the season with, let's see how much Lamar can process as a passer. And that's when the offense kind of became a bit chalk. And then over the last month, they okay, Screw that. That's not going to work. Lamar's not there yet. Let's just go with the crazy run game, and that's been working. 
but still has trouble deciphering stuff downfield. And their defense has fallen off the truck in the second half of the season. And I posted this on Twitter, the numbers, and it was a, hey, jerk, you know, Marcus Peters and Jimmy Smith are injured. I, I know that. I'm not, this is not an empirical statement about the quality of the players. It's just where they are. Uh, they are from, they went from 5th to 27th overall in defensive DVOA since week 10, 7th to 26th against the pass, 2nd to 21st against the run. Ravens defensive backs have allowed nine touchdowns with no interceptions since week 10. You take linebacker Tyus Bowser out of that equation, really underrated player, by the way. Baltimore has five total picks this season. And I get that the running game is back on track in a production and multiplicity sense. You know, when I think about teams you don't want to face in the playoffs, that whole thing, I, the Ravens are not on my list at all for multiple reasons. Yeah. And what's interesting about the, the whole team nobody wants to play is you often think, oh, that's the team that's getting hot at the right time. They're winning games going into the postseason. They've beaten Dallas, Cleveland, Jacksonville, and the Giants. Yeah. That's their four-game win streak. Strip away Cleveland. You haven't beaten a team with a winning record during that run. Like right. th- It's not that impressive. It's more of a paper-thin resume. Um, the passing game is a question mark, particularly the downfield passing game. We've talked a lot about, and you've you know written and highlighted a lot about, Lamar is a dynamic quarterback, but there are opportunities downfield that they're not taking advantage of right now. It's a bit of a question mark. And yeah, by I mean, the way, like, this isn't exclusive to Lamar. A lot of young quarterbacks. No. I think, I think, and we'll get to the Eagles in a, in a few, but, you know, this was the first game where I saw Jalen Hurts really struggle with that, like wide open crossers and, and two deep beaters where he just didn't see it. And, yeah. you know, it takes – Josh Allen, the, the last time we saw Josh Allen before – and you talked about this last week. Last time we saw him before this season, it was a wild card game against the Texans, and he was just vomiting all over himself. You know, throwing bang stuff to triple covered fullbacks. He had like no yep. clue what he was doing. So the light can come on. I'm not saying it won't. I'm just saying it hasn't. Right. And, you know, they'll probably beat Cincinnati. But when you start thinking about Baltimore, I don't know if the Ryan Finley get well game. I mean, maybe Brandon Allen lit up Houston. So who knows? Um, We're not but when you start, thing. when you start thinking about Baltimore in the playoffs, like, they're going to have to hit on some throws downfield if they're going to be successful in the postseason. And I just, we haven't seen evidence of it in the past couple of weeks, even when they've won four straight games. You imagine the Bills passing offense against the Ravens' pass defense right now? I can imagine. How, how does that it. look? Not great if you're a Baltimore fan. No. Uh, Steelers at Browns. Browns will make the playoffs with a win in this game. <laughs> uh, Steelers are sitting everybody, and the Browns have like, you know, more COVID outbreaks. They may get all the receivers back, but I think, uh, God. I don't think they'll have a linebacker to play. Yeah, I think Wyatt Teller's going to have to play right and left guard. We'll see. Um, Steelers have already locked up the AFC North. Likely to be the two or three seed in the AFC. Mason Rudolph is starting the game, so get your helmet swinging. I'm more interested in what happened with Ben. What Roethlisberger took over the Steelers' offense in the second half against the Colts. He's making bang on deep throws during the three-game losing streak. He completed four or fifteen attempts for twenty or more air yards for 102 yards. Two touchdowns, one pick, and a pass rating of 67.2. Second half against the Colts, he completed 23 of 29 passes, 244 yards, three deep completions, two of which were touchdowns. Uh, he was three of six on 20 or more air yard throws. Two more of the two of the quote unquote incompletions were defensive pass interference calls, which gave the Steelers 45 more functional yards. So Juju Smith Schuster told Mike Silver. 
that the Colts were calling out everything the Steelers were throwing in the first half. Then throughout the script, started calling passing plays. The team had even practiced. Uh, completely different quarterback from a standpoint of velocity and accuracy. Receivers are laying out to make plays who couldn't catch anything. Chase Claypool got off the milk carton. So you kind of start to wonder if this is a Randy Fittner and Matt Canada problem. And, you know, it, this, this, this buy for the Steelers essentially gives them a week to figure it out. But when you, and we've seen, you know, Bernie Kozar did this to Marty Schottenheimer in the 86 playoffs against the Jets. Amari Cooper and Dak Prescott did it to Scott Linehan when he wouldn't call anything but sit routes against the Eagles a couple of years ago. Um, and, and Amari Cooper got like eight touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Um, I don't know if this is a full on coup, but it bears watching. It does bear watching. And, you know, a lot of people have wondered, like, what was the f- switch that went off in the second half? But it was that they started, Ben started calling things that he was personally comfortable with rather than the, the things that were being called for him, even if guys hadn't practiced it. And sometimes it that's is, all it takes. Calling plays that make your quarterback comfortable, is that a good thing? It's it seems like a good thing on paper to me, Doug. I don't know about you. Um, I, I read that somewhere. Yeah, it's it's so. I mean, I think the thing to take away from this is we've talked a lot in recent weeks about is Ben healthy? What's wrong with this team? Velocity doesn't just appear overnight. No, and that was one of the things that really surprised me. You know, I, I talked about it in a video that I did on him. You know, heat check throws from the quarterback. And he had two of those that I thought, look, I didn't see this Ben in recent weeks, but here he is now. Nothing's really changed. It's not like he got healthy or something overnight. It's a confidence thing. And it, yes, even with somebody with the level of experience that Ben Roethlisberger has, sometimes confidence matters. And I think that's what we saw. And so now it's up to these coaches to get on the same page with their quarterback. And they've got the, like you said, this bye week to do it. Because if, if, if they have the offense that we saw in the second half against Indianapolis, I think people will feel a lot better about their chances in the postseason, at least winning a game or two and get into an AFC championship game than we saw during that three-game losing streak. Well, they can't run the ball for crap, but the last no. time they won a Super Bowl, they had the worst offensive line in the NFL and, like, you know, 45 combined rushing yards that season. Um, it's an interesting point because, you know, scheme doesn't create velocity, but it can reveal it. Yeah. And I think that's what happened. Yeah. So – uh, let's see. Ben's DYAR. This is from Vince Verhey, who does quick reads for football outsiders every week, which is a must read. Ben's DYAR per quarter against the Colts. First quarter, minus 11. Second quarter, one. Third quarter, 81. Fourth quarter, 93. Is that good? That's, that's, that's a pretty big jump. Yeah, pretty big jump. Uh, Vikings at Lions. Oh, Lions. Yeah. So the line, <laughs> I don't know if this has ever happened in an NFL game before. I don't, I don't know if any defense has ever done this. Um, I've got sports info solutions numbers going back to 2015, but I, I would imagine this is the first time this has ever happened. We thought after the Lions Buccaneers game that the Lions were going to be this week's winner of the don't play man. If you can't play man award, they're not. And we'll get to who really won it the wrong way. Uh, let's see. They weren't off, weren't just off one man coverage in allowing six touchdown passes to the Buccaneers and two against Blaine Gabbert, yep. which Blaine Gabbert is a real American. I hope we've all seen that video. I may have to put it in the piece. I thought they did the usual, you know, doing what they do. They allowed two touchdowns in cover one, two touchdowns in cover three, 
one touchdown in quarters, one touchdown in cover six. The touchdown against cover six is really impressive because the Rams lead the league in cover six snaps, and it's like 40. Teams don't play a lot of cover six. It's a very personnel specific defense. You have to have a half field eraser to do it, quarter, yeah. quarter, half. That's, you know, if you have Jalen Ramsey, yeah, cool. Just because he's Jalen Ramsey, you can play, you know, essentially match match or match up man or you know zone half zone to that side um so yeah two touchdowns in cover one two in cover three one in quarters one touchdown in cover six bingo i mean i, I don't know what else to say here yeah i know they I mean, were short like 26 coaches but good lord they were short 26 court six coaches you know tom brady had a game for the ages in the first half um i i think the more sort of interesting thing to take away or at least think about from that game is, you know, we've since their bye, we've thought the Buccaneers have maybe figured it out, but they also played Minnesota and Detroit. And, the and Minnesota's defense is real. Was that the game after which Mike Zimmer said, this is the worst defense he's ever had? Like, no, that was this past week. Oh, okay. Where they got lit up by, I mean, who did they lose to this past week? It doesn't matter. Their defense yeah. is bad. I mean, Zimmer can... called it. Oh, it's new Orleans. With Drew oh, Brees, yeah, yeah, yeah. who can't throw a seam route right now to save his life, but can't yet, throw anything right now to save his yeah, life. That's a so. big problem for them, but you know, yeah, it is. Uh, and you know, so Kirk Cousins will probably throw you know nine touchdown passes and whatever. Probably. <sighs> Jets at Patriots. I mean, the only thing I say about the Patriots in retrospect this year, they had COVID opt outs. You know, Gilmore wasn't healthy. I understand the defensive regression. But And I, I mentioned this, and I wrote about it, and I was, like, really pumped to see. Because Bill Belichick, going back to, you know, through his time, especially, you know, as Bill Parcells' as defensive coordinator, you know, in all sorts of New York iterations, he's probably had to design game plans for more mobile quarterbacks than any other coach in NFL history. Because he had to deal with Randall Cunningham twice a year. And then you fast forward to the mobile quarterbacks of the modern age. So I figure – Brady's gone. He had 20 years with Brady. They had that one game with Jacoby Brissett against the Texans where they just ran basic read option and waxed the Texans all over the place. So I thought, he's got Cam Newton. This is going to be fun. They ran a little bit of go-go, a little bit of zone read, but I am really disappointed. I wouldn't even say shocked, just disappointed, kind of mortified at how vanilla that run game has been. New England's run game was more interesting schematically with Jacoby Brissett in one game than it was with Cam Newton all year. I don't really know what to say about that, except that, you know, if we're talking about the Brady versus Belichick thing, that's one thing, but I, I just, I'm, I'm really surprised that Belichick and Josh McDaniels and Ivan Fears and all those guys, obviously all brilliant coaches. And I don't think it was a, cause Cam had what 11 rushing touchdowns this year. This wasn't all a damn problem. Yeah. Tied a Grogan record. Yeah. I, I think, Doug, so many people in New England are focused on the who in terms of the quarterback question going forward. But I think the bigger question, or at least as big a question, is the how. Yeah. In terms of how are they going to develop their next quarterback? Because it's not like Josh McDaniels has a proven track record of quarterback development. He went in on Tim Tebow. And yeah. look, um, and they just lost their quarterback coach, Jed Fersh, to Arizona. So they have a quarterback coach, which brought up the Adam Gay stuff, which – as I said on other shows, I will drive. I will be on I ninety five driving north with my mask on if they try to hire Adam Gase as their quarterback coach. Like I'm, I will bar him from the building myself. But they have to get that part right because you look at some recent success stories. 
i.e. Justin Herbert with Pep Hamilton as his quarterback coach and Pep should be getting some head coaching offers. You need to have I like mean, Ryan three... Tannehill the moment he escaped Adam Gase. Yeah, that too. So, I mean, yeah, they, they've got to get that part of it right. And they have to figure out what they want to be schematically. Do they want to be the offense that they were with Tom Brady? Do they want to be the offense that they probably should have been with Cam Newton? What do they want to do schematically? I think they were caught between the two worlds this year and it was a problem. I just don't get it because you got him on a one-year deal. It's not, I mean, you're not throwing into the lions per se. This is kind right. of who Cam Newton has always been. You're not, you know, it's not a five-year $90 million guy that you're trying to save from, you know, breaking his leg. Right. Why didn't, you know, that go-go stuff worked so well. Why didn't you run it more? What the hell? I mean, I, 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 your, I don't your know. job and do your job. They've run, you know, like you can, search do your job on youtube you like 14 different patriots do your job things i don't think the coaches did their job i'll say that yeah. right i think the uh, patriots coaches had a really disappointing year and that yeah. is an uh, that's an odd thing to say to put it it like. is odd to say but i do think that there's a lot of truth to it cowboys and giants winner of this game will be the nfc east champion if washington loses to philadelphia on sunday night Washington wins both the Cowboys and Giants will miss the playoffs. Where are we Daniel Jones and the Giants offense at this point? I, I, I think the defense has been a little weird the last couple of weeks because I'm like the total Patrick Graham guy. And it's like, what are you doing? But Jones is pretty much a pocket guy at this point due to injuries. And that's not ideal. Yeah. I mean, I think the they're going to have to score if they want to win this game. Because, hey, here's a question. Let's say Dak Prescott comes back to the Cowboys and the Eagles release Carson Wentz. If you're an NFL GM, who do you want as your quarterback? In, like, you need a quarterback. And all things being equal, you can have either one of these guys for the same salary. Who do you want, Andy Dalton or Carson Wentz? <laughs> I think right now it's Andy Dalton, which is Ouch. something I can't imagine saying, you know, five months ago. But I think that's where we're at with Carson Wentz. I couldn't imagine it saying, uh, like, one month ago. But yeah, Andy Dalton's but, but Dalton has been good. And it's not like Dalton is this, like, incredible talent. But when you watch him – yeah, he's doing it in the Mike McCarthy offense, so I give him yeah. like extra it, points for that. I think any like any quarterback who succeeds in a Mike McCarthy offense should have like twenty points added to his DVOA score. Right. I mean, a lot of it is just making the you know on time in rhythm, and he's got three super talented receivers around him. And you watched that game last week. Gallup's open. Oh, Cooper's open. Gallup. Was Lamb's good. open. He's so good. No one like talks the, about him, but he's so good. Three of them are so good together. And, you know, we finally saw, because when they made the Lamb pick, everybody was like, oh, this could be the best 11 personnel trio of receivers in the league. And we're finally seeing that now. Um, but, yeah, I mean. And I, yes, they, were playing an Eagle, they were playing an Eagle secondary, which featured you and me, I believe. Uh, right. You played so safety and I played slot, and it yeah. didn't go well. It wasn't great. No, um, it wasn't great. But, you know, if you look at the three NFC East teams that have a shot to win that division right now, I think it's easy to say that Dallas is the best team right now than out of, of, the, of the three. And it's not – I mean, well, we can talk about the Eagles right now, I guess. Uh, just my notes watching Jalen Hurts against the Cowboys. Jalen Hurts' third start was a mixed bag. Really nice design runs and RPO concepts to keep an aggressive cowboy front on its heels. And this, by the way, Washington's, you know, they're, they're go, go, go. So this could be like a, off of RPO read, Jalen Hurts could have 20 rushing attempts for 150 yards and, you know, yeah. two touchdowns and throw the ball like 10 times. 
But opportunities in the passing game missed all over the place. He missed I, – I counted two open crossers to Greg Ward that he just didn't see. He had Jalen Rieger wide open versus too deep on the Travis Fulgham catch in the second quarter. Um, that's a touchdown. I don't think Hurts is a guy you need to break from bailing in the pocket Mayfield style, but he will have to learn to quicken the processing speed over time so he can play with even more timing and anticipation. He has the potential to do both consistently he's kind of between the see it and throw it guy and the anticipation guy right now and that's fine you know first year didn't have an offseason program he's trying to figure it out so you know doug peterson has one more game in which to scheme this guy up because the eagles are out um beyond whatever happens with wentz just a fascinating thing to imagine what hurts could learn and add to his arsenal with a false offseason as the guy and as i wrote i wonder here if against washington's dominant front 20 you know, if this is 20 yard rushing technique for Hertz out of the RPO and read concepts. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I think the interesting thing with track with Hertz is going to be that mental progression from year one to year two. I mean, he, he's a rookie quarterback getting a start late in the season that has been weird. Um, and yeah, he is that sort of guy that, like you said, he's in between the anticipation guy and the see it, throw it guy leading more towards the see it, throw it. We've talked about some of those moments from back in his first start against new Orleans to now where, Everything's happening so fast for him right now, but that will speed up over time. Um, and by so the I, way, I, there are quarterbacks who won multiple playoff games and like made trillions of quarterbacks that have won Super Bowls. beyond see it and throw it. There are quarterbacks that have won Super Bowls that are that yeah. way. So, I mean, you know, it, it's, it's one of those phrases we use to just sort of describe what a quarterback is doing. It's not a bad thing in every scenario. Yeah. It's just sometimes these guys are who they are. Um, there are quarterbacks that are going to be in the playoffs this year that are see it throw guys right now. It's okay. It's I'll just, quote, once again, my favorite sports writer ever, the great Ralph Wiley, late great Ralph Wiley. Uh, man's got to know his own limitations. If he doesn't, his coach had better. Yeah. And that's what hurts is right now. And that's again, okay. That's it's where he's, it's what you would expect with a rookie quarterback. So, you know, I'm excited to see what hurts looks like in year two. I'd imagine he's the guy going forward for Philadelphia. And I'm excited to see how they handle him and build around him because I think there's a good quarterback inside. By the way, as we're taping this, I'm watching three and seven Mississippi State in a bowl game. Whatever. What a win. <clears throat> Falcons at Buccaneers. I don't want to talk about the Buccaneers passing offense because I just detailed what the Lions did. Uh, we're going to get some love to some offensive linemen this week. I'm going to let you vamp on that for a second. We Holy crap. Um, I, I went to Ali Marpet's combine, and he was just an interesting guy because, like, where the hell is Hobart, Division three guy? And I did a little, you know, YouTube scouting from the, it was at Lucas Oil at that point, not the convention center. And I, you know, I was sitting next to Russ Landy and Mike Tanier. And um, Mike has said before, there's a point at which I'll get like googly eyes, watch like cookie monster eyes, watching a player. And he knows to come over and look, you know, um, and Marpet kind of did that for me, but you're wondering, okay, it's against, you know, old dominion or whatever. No offense to Old Dominion, who now have two NFL receivers, more than a lot of schools. But uh, Marpet just really impressed me with his intensity and, and all that. And we did this with Wyatt Teller about a month ago, the on-off report. The Buccaneers' splits with and without Marpet are astonishing in the passing game. He's been on the field for 723 snaps a season, off for 207. Enough of a sample size. With Marpet on the field, Tampa Bay has a passing EPA of 0.19. Off the field, it's minus 0.013. The positive play rate goes from 42 to 52% when he's on the field. 
Completion percentage goes from 60.4 to 67.6. Yards per attempt goes from 6.4 to 7.9. Yards per drop back goes from 5.5 to 7.5. One, one left guard is worth two yards per drop back. Touchdown rate goes from 3.7 to 7.4. Interception rate goes from 3.7 to 1.3. So basically without Marpet on the field, they are in a touchdown interception rate rate perspective they're a dead even team when marpet's on the field it's a 6.1 percent difference pressure rate goes from 34.8 to 22.5 sack percentage goes for i should be marpet's agent you should be sack percentage goes from 4.3 to 3.2 blown block pressure rate goes from 18.4 to 8.8 i'm going to say that again blown block blown block pressure rate with Ali Marpat on the field goes from 18.4% to 8.8%. Blown block sack rate goes from 2.8 to 1.7. Yards per target. And we talked a lot about Brady in the deep passing game and coordinating with the receivers. Yards per target. When Ali Marpet is on the field, goes from 6.3 to 8.1. Missed time with a concussion. When he's on the field, that passing game works. When he's not, it doesn't. End of story. We, I spent, we spent, everybody at Football Media spent a ton of time trying to figure out what was wrong with the Buccaneers offense in their passing game. It was Ellie Marpet's concussion. Yeah. It might just be as simple as that. So yeah. It's Occam's razor, right? Sometimes the simplest answer is the, is the right one. Yeah. He's very good. And he's you know, preposterous. The, he's also, they're, they've been more consistent in the run game, mostly because they don't have a run game. You know, when you run the ball two times a game, it doesn't matter, but wow. And this is one of those things that, haven't studied Bray for years, haven't watched him for years. I've often stressed that the most important part of an offensive line in front of Tom Brady are the guards in the center. What, is we all think what has been his kryptonite all along? Inside interior, immediate interior pressure. pressure because it, it's the one thing that he's so dependent on timing, on rhythm, and all that stuff. And he can handle edge pressure. He's not a super athlete but he's as mobile as it can get at the quarterback position in response to edge pressure because he can step around it with ease. But that immediate inside pressure is what frustrates him to no end. And when you have a guard like Ali Marpet in there, he's going to be comfortable. He's going to be protected. If he's not, that's what's going to get him. And so it, it, the answer was staring at us in the face. We just we were so excited to write about Bruce Arians and concepts and highfalutin stuff and pretend like we were smart like I sometimes do. That was the easy answer. Well, we also had to move your center out to guard, so it, it, it was two for one. And in a better yeah. world, there are two Super Bowl MVP awards awaiting Justin Tuck because of this yeah. thing. Exactly. So yeah. Poor Justin. I was at I was at that second one and it was like, okay. <laughs> I think I know where the MVP is gonna be, and it wasn't. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, but then again, Chris Jones should have been the MVP in last year's Super Bowl, and that didn't happen either. Give the defense some love. Speaking of giving me a defensive love, Bears will make the playoffs of the win in the Packers-Bears game. They could also clinch a wildcard spot if the Cardinals lose to the Rams. Excuse me. Gosh. Packers are the favorite to be the one seed, one seed in the NFC win here could clinch it. So we all thought that the Titans would play bully ball against the Packers on Sunday night in the snow at Lambeau Field. And Matt LaFleur, as he is wont to do, flips the script. Tennessee's skating around playing fireable man coverage, and LaFleur is running A.J. Dillon as if he's, well, Derrick Henry. Packers seem to want to prove that they can win any way possible on offense, and I think they can. Now, the defense is where it gets interesting. We talked about safety duos, Hyde and Poyer and Buffalo, probably the best. 
and how important they are in the playoffs. Let's talk about Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage. Right now, that's a top three safety duo. Um, just overall, I think that that defense is – it's kind of like the Chiefs argument where the offense is playing so well, defense is league average. That's all you need. I think that's right. where they are. Yeah, and – you know, in today's NFL, you need a safety duo that is multiple, that is versatile, that can do different things. Like and the days of having... Savage is not just a deep safety. He's all no, he's not. He's, he's they... their Charles Woodson now. Yeah, they yeah, drop him down in that, in that role. They drop him down into a lot of underneath hook zones. Yeah. They drop him down into a lot of robber stuff where they're trying to cut stuff, uh, take away those intermediate crossers, and look. That's going to be the story on Sunday. Can they take away intermediate crosses? Because what they've found that works for Trubisky right now is sort of a, a version of the Kirk Cousins, Gary Kubiak, boot, crossers, floods, things like that, half-field reads. Darnell Savage dropping down and take that stuff away in the middle of the field. That's going to be their game plan on defense to take away. Uh, I, 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 that, it's like do. Super Bowl forty-eight. Super Bowl yeah. 48, man. We're going to run crossers with Welker all day long. Cam Chancellor yep. was like, oh, really? Right. Let's see what happens. You know, everyone has a plan until they get hit, and the Broncos went, oh, we're not going to do that again because Wes Welker is going to die. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it, that's what they're going to do. That's what the Chicago is going to try to do. Savage is going to take that stuff away. Um, like you said, they're a top duo in the league right now. Um, I, I, Porter and uh, Hyde are still great, but – the reason that defense has gotten better down the stretch is the play, I think, of Savage um, because he's allowing them to do different things up front. Um, you know, we all thought, look, we said it last week, this was set up to be a Titans win. They were going to punch that dime defense in the mouth of Derrick Henry. And there was a team that punched the defense in the mouth that it wasn't the Titans offense. It was the yep. Packers offense. Um, but then you watch what the defense did. They could stop the run. Um, it, it's sort of an offshoot of that Brandon Staley. They figured out how to stop the run with sub packages. Did they run? Did you, did you notice? Did they run tight front? Because the Rams run a ton of tight. Um, they didn't run a ton of it, but they ran a little bit of it. Yeah. Um, and you know, it tight front. Can, by the way, is uh, it's nose tackle head over the center, or I mean, usually head over the shade. shade. Um, and then instead of like the bare front, which is the you know the two guys on either outside shoulder of the guards, this is on the inside shoulder. So you're just you're. You're congesting the A-gaps. Yeah, you're congesting the A-gaps and you're trying to flow everything to the outside where now you have a numbers advantage because you're just using three guys to bounce things to and the outside. And you have speed guys outside who can match your speed. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously it's not a recent development, no. um, but it was, it's been used a lot of the Big 12 to stop some of these spread offenses that are trying to get everything, you know, to the inside. You try to bounce it to the outside where now you have numbers. Um, and that's why you're seeing a lot of teams use it in the NFL – against run games to try to bounce stuff to the outside. You could still be gap solid up front because you've got three guys and a linebacker, you know, so they, that's why teams are doing, are doing it. And Green Bay's done some of it against a power run team, yeah. not a spread team. Well, and I think it's like, like Belichick against the, you know, Rams did the, he did bear and he did the six one and all that, but you know, it took Brandon Staley coming from John Carroll and Vic Fangio's assistant and Phil Snow coming from Baylor. You know, it, it's a recent development in the NFL. And I was talking to Chris Brown, smart football on Twitter. My God, if you're not following him, go. Yeah. Um, and I, I mentioned, because I had talked to Cody Alexander about this, the coach A on Twitter. Again, if you're not following him, my God, do that right now. Uh, Cody was a huge help to me in the match game series. And 
I've talked to Cody about this before. Kind of, like, I'm just going to digress for a minute because sometimes we like to talk concepts. I think one of the waves of the future, quote unquote, um, waves of the future is like generational talent. Just stop. But one of the you know trends you could see is more college defensive court because you know Black Monday's coming up. Who's going to you know Urban Meyer, whoever? I mean Urban Meyer, no. Uh, but if there's a trend, I think teams should start to look at it's those college defensive coordinators who are effective in defending modern run concepts. And Cody was a grad assistant at Baylor. I think it was 2013. He told me a story, which I used in the second part of the match game piece about how, and not to denigrate John Fox or Jack Del Rio, they're both obviously good coaches, but this is when Fox was a head coach and Del Rio was a defensive coordinator for the Broncos. And he was in the room and they were trying to figure out like, the Robert Griffin run game and Cody was thinking this is first day high school install and you guys don't know this shit really come on so I I think going forward and it's an interest you know with with what Staley's done with some things that Phil Snow has done that you know ran a defense against the Packers that Aaron Rodgers called strange you know it's three three five and where, where are these guys lining up like way up here um I think you could see more of that I think you should see more of it yeah, and I, I ducked away to grab match quarters, a modern guidebook to split field coverages by so Ford Winch and Cody so Alexander, good. which is a must read. Um, I, I've often said I get asked a lot, like on Twitter, on DMs, like what, how do, how do I go about learning football? And I always stress a bunch of things, and one of the things I stress is find high school coaches on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Texas high school air raid chat, like they, they will have hashtag chats for like flex bone stuff for like air raid stuff. Watch what the high school kids are being taught. That's going to teach you the next 10 years of football yeah. at the college and the pro level, because those guys are coming up like Cody Alexander at some point is going to be an NFL defensive coordinator. I, I believe in my heart. I um, would not disagree. Same thing with uh, Kyle Kogan. Yep. Um, who Coach Vass talks about a ton. Yep. I've been watching a lot of Kyle Kogan stuff. Coach um, Vass, by the way, is a he's an evil genius. So yes, I mean he is a, he's another must follow. Like if yep. you're not following Vass, like I don't know what you're doing with your time. I mean, I remember Doug like last spring. Vass had a bunch of us for a little clinic for like yep. two hours, and I think he talked about one variation of a split field coverage for mm-hmm. like two hours and ate his dinner while he was doing it. So, I mean, Vass is, Vass is just a madman. Um, that reminds me, I have to break in. Uh, reminds me of a, John Madden told this story. He was a, I think he was, it was before he was with the Raiders as their linebackers coach and obviously their head coach. And he went to see Vince Lombardi at a seminar. It was an eight hour day. And Vince Lombardi talked about one play, the Packers sweep. Yeah. Four hours, lunch, four more hours, one play. Yeah. Anyone who I tells mean, you that football is a bunch of guys running into each other? No. No. It, it, this it, is indeed rocket surgery if it's done right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, in terms of like modern NFL defenses, like it, people always think that like defenses are static, you know. No, well, it can be absolutely if you're screwing it up, but it should. Right. If you're screwing it up, if you're just going to be a spot drop cover three team, but. You know, you have to adjust to what offenses are doing. And the best way to do that, the best way to learn what's happening is to see what guys are doing in high school. Yeah. Uh, Jaguars at Colts. They're not starting Minshew again. Fire everybody. I'm so done. 
Colts need to win this game and have either the Titans, Ravens, Browns, or Dolphins lose to make the playoffs. The Colts win and the Titans lose. Indianapolis would clinch the AFC South. However, no Anthony Costanzo for the playoffs for multiple reports. Not good. You have to wonder what happened to the Colts on both sides of the ball in the second half against the Steelers. I didn't get it because I was really, I did a long piece on Ben in the second half and all that. I didn't. So I, I saw the Colts defense, obviously, and they were still like, you know, waving down to get what they thought was underneath stuff when all of a sudden Ben was throwing it downfield. That's pretty, you know, that's a pretty easy thing to figure out. Did you by any chance watch the Colts offense in the second half? Was that just the Steelers defense doing what it does? Or you know, I don't know. I mean, it was partly the Steelers defense doing what it does. It was also, you know, they Indianapolis got away from the run game a little bit. And I, I think that that would be something that they should have relied on more, particularly as that comeback was taken, was taken effect. I mean, you watch, a lot of what they were trying to do in the past game, guys were just more active up front. You know, you saw some tipped passes. You saw some pressure on Rivers. You saw some pressure on Rivers that forced early checkdowns, sort of took away. Like you wrote in the first half of that game, wait, Rivers is throwing deep. I mean, I remember seeing yeah. that piece go up. And then that stuff got sort of taken away by pressure up front. Well, in my um, podcast notes, I said, this is uh... – there's a guy for Tulsa named Muskrat. That's cool. Sorry, I'm watching a bowl game. By the way, Tulsa has a linebacker, Xavier Collins, by the way. Uh-huh. He was in the first round of my mock. Jordan Reed Ooh. at the Draft Network has been talking about him. He's a guy that can play all over the place. He's like 6'4", 260, but he can like flex out to the boundary if you put a running back out there and run with him. Um, he's going to be a first-rounder, I think. And Tulsa just tried to hail him, and it didn't work. Uh, so apparently we're calling the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl as we're doing the podcast. Multitasking, baby. Yeah. Uh... So, yeah. Uh, well, what I said in the, the podcast rundown in my notes was this is Philip Rivers against the Steelers defense. A lot of one step drop and, you know, get them all out. So maybe that's what happened. Yeah. Um, and I think the concern. So we're, we're spinning it forward here because obviously you don't give a crap. Yeah. The, the concern with Indy going forward is twofold now with Costanzo being out. Can they protect Rivers and what Rivers are we going to see? Yeah. Are we going to see the guy we saw in the first half against Pittsburgh or the guy that we've seen at multiple times this season that made you think, I'm not so sure that Philly should sit him down or not. Like There were talks about going to Jacoby Brissetta earlier in this season. So yeah. you know, when you start thinking about playoff teams, potential fatal flaws, I know you're working on that. Like I think for Indy, it's pass game, Rivers protecting them. Well, is he protected and what kind of rivers will you see? Those two things are inexorably intertwined for rivers more than most quarterbacks because he's not mobile and he's not necessarily a great mover in the pocket either. And when he's pressured, especially late in games, crucial situations, he threw six interceptions last year uh, in, you know, two minutes or less in the fourth quarter. Um, The guy will lose his mind if he's pressured. So yeah. In the postseason, that could be a thing. Speaking of quarterbacks, we need to talk about in uh, what the hell's going on since Patrick Mahomes in his last three games. Pfft, better sit down for this one, kids, because this is not good. 59.2% completion rate, 7.4 yards per attempt, seven touchdowns, four interceptions, <laughs> the same passer rating, 87.6 as Drew Locke. In that time, he has the most dropbacks under pressure, 55, and under pressure, he's completed 47.3 of his passes for one touchdown one interception and a pass rating of 57.6. That's Miami, New Orleans, Atlanta are the opponents. All play a lot of man match. We think of the Falcons as this cover three team. They're not since Dan Quinn got fired. They played a lot more drop. They played more dropbacks in man this season than everyone, but the Lions, Cardinals, and Saints. 
Not that the Chargers, who play a crap ton of zone, will present the same issues, but you got a three-week stretch. And against you can factor Denver in there, too. That wasn't that great. Uh, a lot of pressure. I don't think Schwartz is coming back. They lose Osemele for the year, which was a big hit. Uh, you know, or we, if they have to play shootout against the Bills, you know, if they're in the Super Bowl against the Packers, because we can go process our outcome here. We can say it's Patrick Mahomes and they're still winning. We can start to wonder what's up because I always ask this question, should we start worrying? Uh, it's four games. We, we, we should have started worrying two weeks ago. Yeah. And, and first of all, it seems like you're ducking something here, and I'm not going to let you off the hook because on this show last week, you said, the Chiefs were going to struggle with Atlanta. Hey, I kind of looked right. at you. I was uh, trying to be Doug, humble for once in my life. I'm not going to let you be humble. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to let you take that victory lap. Because if they had not falconed, I, yeah. I would have just I would have you you still you still get a win for that because yeah. you it's not like you said that they were going to you know pull off the upset. You said this is going to be a closer game that people expect. Yeah. So well, the um, Falcons have been really creative with their blitzes, and Mahomes has struggled throughout his career. Broncos did it in his first year as a starter. It was the first time I noticed it. It was, um, it's a combination of three things. It's blitz, it's late coverage switches, and it's match over the middle. Yeah. And it's a really interesting, defined, cool combination. Um, And yes, you need to string amazing things together to stop Patrick Mahomes because he's him. Uh, But yeah, if you deplete his entire offensive line, that kind of sucks too. Yeah, I mean, Falcons, have, Falcons were really creative with blitzes in that game, and it was a problem. The the thing that doesn't make me want to full on panic if I'm a Chiefs fan yet is the thing that teams haven't been able to really do is do what we've seen teams have success with for a full sixty minutes. You know, you have to be able to slow them down for the full sixty because they could score so quickly with Mahomes and the weapons they have. Teams have come close. The Chargers earlier this year, obviously the Niners in the Super Bowl last year where they could slow you down for 50, 55, 57. But it's the 60 that's the tougher part. Um, I I think, is there a team that's going to be able to combine pressure with coverage that really is a threat to them beyond Buffalo? I mean, and I don't even know if Buffalo can do it. Because Buffalo could cover. We they're, not about really the that, play, they're not that team. But they're not that team. That's not what, uh, the Dolphins could. The Steelers could. But then the flip side to that is, can, they, can you then score? Can you score enough? I mean, the Bills could switch it up. They're not, yeah, they're, I mean, they're not spot drop. They're not boring, but they're not that team. Right. I mean, I um, think if you had the Dolphins defense of the Bills offense – well, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I you know the teams that could do it. The Broncos could do it. The Chargers could do it. The Patriots could do it. Uh, and none of those teams are in the playoffs. So, right. Right. Uh, in the NFC, I mean, depending the on who they play, the Packers could do it. The Saints Interestingly could do it. The enough, Packers could outscore them, too. The Packers, the Packers could, could outscore them. them. I mean, I think in terms of thinking about potential matchups in the AFC, if I'm Kansas City, a team I don't want to see, interestingly enough, is Cleveland. Because Cleveland. They have bad safety play. We get it. But they oh, have I, one I'm, guy. Oh, no, dude, if I'm, the, if I'm the Chiefs, I want the Browns all day because they have no deep safeties. And so they have the one. Like, he's they, great anyway. That, they're going to put up a 50-burger on that defense. That's, that's just the way it is. They have one guy that can get after you, Miles Garrett, up front. And sometimes we've seen some teams have success with that. 
against that banged up line. Yeah, but Miles Garrett can't clone himself. He's going to come from one side. Mahomes going to run. They're going to they're going to yeah. make razor call. Right, okay. He's going to run okay. away from him and you know throw for four hundred yards. Yeah, you're probably right. I'm just trying here. Uh, the, I mean, the team that the, the team that nobody wants to deal with right now is the Bills. If the Steelers, because the whole thing with the Steelers now is okay, you're resting Ben. Is that more important than reps? Like, no. Let his arm. You know, let him warm up. Let him warm up his arm. Um, if and that's kind of the inverse of all these other teams are talking about. Steelers have that defense and a halfway functional offense, deep passing game, intermediate passing game, just consistent passing game. Mm, yeah. Uh, if I'm, you know, if, if Mahomes has the Titans or the Ravens with their defensive injuries or the Browns, I, I think that's game over. Yeah. You're pretty, probably right. Pretty easily. So anyway, uh, it's a unique combination of things that the Falcons were able to manifest. And, you know, I mean, who would have thought the Falcons could do that? We all still think that they're a cover three team because we're still, we have Dan, you know, visions of Dan Quinn dancing. Right. Heads, and that's not who they are anymore. You can change. Um, <clears throat> and, well, you can change unless you're the Cardinals. Right. Cardinals could clinch a playoff spot with a win over the Rams. The Rams can clinch with a win or a loss by the Bears. Uh, before I get into my problems with the Cardinals, we've got Arizona hot shots, hot shot John Walford starting. Cooper Cup is out. All the running backs are out. But give us your Walford scouting report because I actually asked you to do this and you you scored, dude. <laughs> He's not Jared Goff. I mean, I think that's the place to start with it. Um, you know what? Yeah. I'm really okay with that. And that honestly, honestly might be enough right now. Um, what was interesting in, in – Yes, I actually watched some AAF stuff this week to get a reminder of, although I looked I in all my scouted notebooks over there, over my left-hand shoulder here in the upper left, those are all my handwritten notes from quarterback valuations back to 2016. And I didn't have it. I must have thrown out my John Rolfer notes for some reason because I thought – Maybe, Maybe it's a whole ago. separate notebook that you put somewhere else. Maybe it is. But I just thought, why would I ever need this? And apparently I should have held on to it. So that's a lesson, kids. Hold on to everything. Hoarding is not always bad. Um he was good against cover four, middle of the field, open coverages. And what's the one bugaboo among many, but the main bugaboo that has given the Rams offense fits besides just Jared Goff. It's teams playing cover four in quarters and, you know, not reacting to the eye candy, the bullshit and just lining up and, you know, forcing you to make a read and a throw Goff struggled with it. And I'm sure you're probably pulling up his numbers against middle of the field, open coverages, but they're bad. They're bad. And John Wolford, and his first I don't think AF I need start. to do statistical studies about Jared Goff anymore. I really no, don't. probably not. Um, he was good against quarters and cover four. You would see it, make reads and throws. And yes, it was against Salt Lake Stallions of the AAF and guys that are probably not in the league. Yeah, league but the right guys now. he's playing with aren't any better. I mean, right. I, I hate when people say that, like, oh, he did this against Division Three. Well, he's right. playing well, with Division Three guys too. Stop. And the other thing is, whenever if this always comes up around draft time, it's going to be a thing with Trey Lance. It's going to be a thing with all oh, these yeah. other guys. They're also going up against coaches. They're also going to be it's coaches that whose entire week is spent trying to confuse this guy with the roster that they have. Mm-hmm. And especially look, AF, you've got former NFL, former high level college coaches doing the coaching. So yeah. like take all those level of competition discussions with a bit of a grain of salt. But the main thing is, look, if he doesn't make a dumb mistake or a couple of dumb mistakes like Jared Goff has done in recent weeks, that might just be enough. Cardinals and quarters defense, quarters coverage is here. Thank you, Sports Info Solutions. 
65 attempts, 55 catchable passes, 43 completions, 602 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. QBR against. Oh, uh, the only team with a worse QBR against than the Cardinals in quarters is the Giants. Huh. Interesting. So the Arizona hotshot can make some hay here. All right. Am I, is, it, is it time for my Cardinals rant now? It's time for your Cardinals rant. Do it to it. I hate bad coaching. I made the observation this week that I don't think there's a team that does that just does what they do without schematic help more often than the Cardinals. On offense, we talked about this ad nauseum. They put DeAndre Hopkins to that backside ISO like nine, literally 95% of the time. PFF snaps have it. It's like 95% of the time. And they don't even motion him for information or impact. They just sit him over there, and the guy's still dominating everybody. On defense, it's just a bunch of speed linebackers rushing, and the 49ers exploited that, as they will, wham and delay over and over and over. 30 runs for 227 yards, 7.6 yards per carry. Longest run was 34 yards, so it wasn't just a couple 80 yards and a bunch of stuffs. If Arizona beats LA, depleted as they are, and gets into the postseason, they might be out before they even start with crap like that. I mean, Kingsbury and Joe, they got to figure some stuff out. They got to help their guys. And they really got to help Kyler Murray because he's getting creamed and the protection is horrible. And, you know, they, they've got to help their guys. I just, I, I don't know. I, we made the comment. Of, and in Kingsbury, as I mentioned before, halfway through his first season as an NFL head coach last year, he switched it up. They were running 10 personnel all the time. Said, all right, I'm on 12, 12 13. And it wasn't just that. The passing concept, concepts were different. They're running more 12 now this year, but everything is so static on both sides of the ball. And I will say over and over until I'm blue in the face, you can't win in the NFL if you're just running static whatever on either side of the ball. Yeah. I mean, you absolutely can't um, because teams will figure it out. Like that whole adjust to the adjustments thing we were talking about earlier with yeah. defenses. Like if you just run and switch verts or you're just running switch curls or if you just run and mesh, like those plays sometimes have an answer for everything, but they don't have the answer for the thing you haven't thought of yet. And that's the problem with Cliff is that he's sort of beating his head against the wall with the same stuff and not really adjusted right now. Uh, Ted Wynn had a great piece about, yeah. you know, the problems with Ted, with Cliff Kinsbury right now. Um I, I don't know if, if Arizona loses, I don't know how much of a, how much more time they're going to give Cliff, you know, how does he, he probably gets another season, but you know, I'm starting to wonder when he's get where he's going to be the offensive coordinator of in 2022. Mm, well, he's going to feast off the fact that the year before he was hired, the Cardinals had maybe the worst coaching staff I've ever seen on both sides of the ball, especially yeah. Mike McCoy and off. That was just an embarrassment. Um, but you look at the Cardinals, I mean, they're lost to the Dolphins, beat the Bills, Hale Murray, lost to the Seahawks, lost to the Patriots, lost to the Rams, beat the Giants, beat the Eagles, lost to the 49ers. I mean, this is not an impressive team. And no, it's not an impressive the, second half of the and year. It's not an impressive team, but they have impressive personnel. So then what's the problem? Right. And also some of this might be, you know, a lot of people, and myself included, thought, oh, Arizona, man, they could be a playoff team. DeAndre Hopkins, all the – maybe they're just a year ahead of where they should be. You know, maybe we, like myself, thought too highly of them going into this year. I See, I think they could be where they we thought they would be if they would just help their guys. Yeah. I mean, that could certainly be it. 
Um, but it's kind of been a it's it's just been a very bad second half of the year because like their recent wins, the Hale Murray play, which you know, okay. And then they beat the Jets and I mean the Giants and the Eagles. Like yeah. those aren't really impressive wins. I mean, when you no. go into Foxborough, it's usually a tough place to play, but they lost to a Patriots team that's not very good. This is, by the way, the first meaningless game at Gillette since Gillette opened. Yeah. I'm not, I, I, I'm, I'm not really not trying to stab you in the side there, but no, I mean, look, I, I, I've had many people tell me, look, it's been 20 years of us having to see this. So you're going to get it back. And I understand like it's the way this works. I think the last time the, the, the Patriots didn't make the playoffs, but beyond the 20, like with Brady, I think was like the last time the Mariners made the playoffs. So <laughs> yeah, it was, it was Talk the year after there. their first Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, Seahawks at 49ers. Seahawks defense for their week eight loss to the Bills. This is for John Boyle of Seahawks.com. What's up, John? Last in total defense, 404 <laughs> high. Last in total defense, last in passing defense, 30th in scoring. Since then, including the week 10 loss to the Rams, the Seahawks have, over the last seven games, the NFL's best scoring defense, 15 points per game. They're third in total defense in yards, sixth in pass defense third in opponent yards per play average, fifth in opponent passer rating, and they've recorded 24 sacks, tied for the most over that span. Opponent strength is an issue, which is where the DVOA uptick is. They're 28 to 16th against the pass, ninth to 7th against the run, 19th to 12th overall. So, and, and that's why I like DVOA, because it's not just scoring defense. It's like, oh, who did you do it against? But if their offense is humming, uh, and it's been iffy of late, uh, this is another team, you know, team you don't want in the playoffs. Jamal Adams, yeah. Uh, DJ Reed, as I've said before, if you're five nine and you're starting in that defense, you better be good, and he is. Carlos Dunlap, how did they? Pff, that was a heist of the year. It was. So Seattle's defense, all of a sudden, it ain't the LOB. I saw the LOB up close, and it ain't that, but it's good enough. It's good enough. I mean, and that's just – that's the answer of the defensive side of the ball in today's NFL. Yep. Um, and the improvement on defense is legitimate. I think Dunlap is a big part of it. I oh, think – He's so good. You know, Jamal Adams being, like, back and fully healthy or close to it is good. He big had a couple of, of cross-field stops against the Rams that were just insane. Like, I haven't yeah. seen speed like that since Earl Thomas. Yeah. Um, and he's very he's he's very good with what he's asked to do. Yep. Um and yeah, I mean, when you think about the NFC at large, at large, New Orleans, they've got questions, which I know we're going to talk about in a second. The Packers, have, they've answered a lot of those recently with their defense, but Tampa Bay's got questions. You know, whoever gets in from the NFC East is obviously going to have questions. Seattle might be sort of figuring out the, the answers to their questions at exactly the right moment. And I'm not sure if it's still possible. And it was happening last week where like 14 different things need to happen. The Packers and the Saints need to lose and the Seahawks need to win. But is there something? They can get the one. They can get the one. They can still get the one, which, yeah, they get the one seed and then, you know, no one's at uh, whatever it's called stadium now. Um, Lumen Stadium, is that it? Yeah, whatever. I remember uh, the 2014 NFC Championship game. Them Packers where they had the comeback and. Right. That was um, – I was on the field for Beastquake. Mike Silver and Liz Matthews standing next to me thought, hey, this field is kind of – but the craziest game I ever saw was in the press box for that Seahawks-Packers championship game. The press box was bouncing like this. It yeah. was just like, God, I, th- I think we're going to get injured, but 
I had changed my lead five times for that. Writing for SI. Yeah, that was fun. If I had to go to the locker room, I told my editor, write the first sentence. Here's the rest of it. Go. Yeah. Uh, Saints at Panthers. One guy we haven't talked about this season and should, and it factors highly into the Saints postseason chances. Robert Mays had a podcast episode where he had Brandon Thorne on for the best offensive lineman, and there's no one better than Brandon at that, um, as we know, NFL 1000 alum. Mm-hmm. He had Teron Armstead as his best left tackle. No argument for me. Uh, he's been dominant in two very different offenses, and I remember the Flacco-Jackson year. This is what I was saying that Ronnie Stanley was so good because he had to run – he had to be dominant in two different offenses in the same season. I think Armstead's doing that this year because you got the Peyton passing game as much as Breeze can handle it when he's healthy. And then you've got the F week run package when Taysom Hill's in there. And so that's impressive. And then that entire offensive line versus the Vikings on those, you know, Kamara's six uh, touchdown, the interior offensive line, that, that was not safe for work. That was no, evil. No. Those guys that was, were killing and offensive linemen, 11 out of 10 offensive line. No, 13 out of 10 offensive linemen will tell you, they want to run block because that's just bring it. And yeah. they, that's what they did. That was, that was like a dark, like a snuff film you find on the dark web. That was, like, game, of that was game of Thrones. That was Game of Thrones shit. Right it there. was. And Armstead must've gotten coal in his stocking, man. Cause he was angry. Like he blocked one guy like into the stands at one yeah. point. Um, By the way, with yeah. an injured hand most of the year. Yeah. Our hands um, are into an offensive lineman. I very important, Doug. Yeah. The bigger question, though, is Breeze. Yeah. You know, and, and with a lot of these discussions, we've really sort of spun it forward to the playoffs, and I think that's what we do here. They need that buy. They need Breeze healthy. He had a couple of throws that seam route up the left side that got you know ripped away. It's not there right now. Um, good, now, look, it's the rib fractures. It's the torque and the throw motion and all that. So it's not, it's not a situation where I think Breeze is cooked. His arm is done. He's not healthy, and they need this buy. Um They'll probably get a win against the Panthers, but they, you know, they need losses around them to get it. I don't know if they're going to get the losses around them they need. I well, don't the know. Panthers now, now, you didn't really see it last week, but what the Panthers did against the Packers yeah. with that with the three three five stuff and what Aaron called the strange defense and the college stuff. Um, if Bill Snow shows that again, and he's only really shown it against the Packers that I've seen. Um, and Chris Brown was telling you to see Ohio State Mint package. So, again, college stuff coming up to the NFL. That, you know, I, I'm not quite making the Falcons-Chiefs thing, but I would not underestimate the Panthers' defense in this particular iteration. Yeah. Especially um, if they have to run, you know, inside, inside, inside against a tighter mint front. That's not easy. Right. And you're and, doing it against Derek Brown, by the way. High. You know, the interesting thing, though, to sort of think about is if you're Phil Snow, which would you rather face right now, Kamara on the ground or Breeze in the air? I would rather face Breeze in the air than Kamara and Taysom Hill on the ground. Yeah, so I don't know if because you Because then maybe. you got that F, the F-week option and all, all stuff, you know, Sean Payton was talking. Right. Because the reason he loves having Taysom Hill in there, besides just trolling us all and, and well, you know, yeah, preventing Alvin Kamara from setting NFL records, like you gave him the contract. It's okay. You don't have to yeah. pay him more. Um, he loves just being different. You know, I don't agree with it. I don't like it, but if I'm Phil snow breeze as he is right now, I would much rather face breeze than I would that run package where you have, you know, you've got to read Hill. You can take Brian Burns out of the game, by the way, with that stuff. Yeah, 
you can just, to... you can make him your huckleberry not that burns can't counter it but you can make burns your your end huckleberry all day on read option on rpo yeah. so look if i'm snow then i i'm doing the converse of what we've talked about with a lot of other defenses i'm going heavy and stacking the box and saying yep. all right drew Brees, like you throw the ball away have one touchdown where you beat us and then we'll back off other than yeah. that until and then, then if we, you know we're, we'll we'll run three three five we'll run yep. you know we'll we'll vary our coverages yeah but um the the sack five sacks against Aaron Rodgers and they a lot of front multiplicity I keep talking about this like the Buccaneers did it to him too his Rodgers is two really bad games this year were against front multiplicity and aggressive coverage yeah um how is Breeze not vulnerable to that? By the way, there's now a fight in the Lockheed Martin Arms for Armed Forces Bowl. And there's a third Happy and three year, guys. Anarchy. <clears throat> Speaking of anarchy, Titans at Texans. Titans will clinch the AFC South title with a win. They could also clinch a wild card spot if the Ravens, Colts, or Dolphins lose. Texans, of course, are out of it. Free Deshaun. So this week's winner of the Don't Play Man If You Can't Play Man Award. And I got to get T-shirts so we can, like, send them to people. Seriously. Uh, that, that would be the Titans. They ran cover one on five Packers dropbacks and gave up three touchdowns on four completions. <laughs> they have now allowed 21. Now, when we say man, a lot of red zone touchdowns come against man coverage, so I get it. But you can you can also take those numbers out with little sliders in the SIS database. So, but the, the Titans have now allowed 21 touchdowns and no interceptions in man coverage. The Lions have allowed 21 touchdowns in man this season, but they have four interceptions. Texans have allowed 19 touchdowns with no interceptions in man coverage. So Titans and Texans, you have two defenses and a lot of total of 40 touchdowns and no interceptions in man coverage. This could be the worst man coverage game of all time. It I just really could. It's going to be brutal. Um, I, I mean, over and over and over, you're playing cover zero against Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams have, has 11 touchdowns against man this year. The second guy is, has like five. What yeah. the? Someone has like, do you – do you scout? Do you have an advanced scout? Do you, SIS costs 99 bucks a month. You're a billion-dollar organization. What the hell? I don't know. Ugh. I mean, and I'm sure that they have access to this data, but sometimes coaches are just going to call what they want to call. I mean, and, you, you can get on the phone with Sam Monson, Steve, Steve, uh, Steve Palazzolo, Pro Football Focus, anytime you want, pay him, yep. a, you know, 100000 bucks, and, you know, get all the charting. Yep. Why are you but, doing the same crap over and over? I don't know because it works for Bill Belichick. Well, not yeah. this year. It doesn't. Well, not this year. It doesn't. I mean, I, I will. I do want to highlight this. Um, my boy, Mark Johns at the Mark John NFL. Deshaun Watson having an 8.22 adjusted net yards per attempt while getting sacked 45 times is literally <laughs> incredible. Especially is since literally incredible. sack totals lower the adjusted net yards per attempt. He's third. The two guys ahead of him have 41 sacks combined. I love to know 45. what the YPA is without, the, like, if you took the sacks out. If you strip the sacks it's out, probably it's like 11. Absurd. Yeah. It's an absurd number. Free Deshaun Watson. Jeez. Although he's always been good against the Titans. So if you're Tennessee and you want to win this game to make sure you win the division, eh, I don't know. Does there, I think uh, John McClain, eternally wonderfully snarky Texas oh, yes. guy. Um, also, the guy who combines all the tra- with uh, Shereen Williams, the people, the, the two people who do all the combine transcripts. So, right, yeah, multiple medals for that. 
Because then they have to deal with people like me being late. Uh, I think Derrick Henry has rushed for over 200 yards his last two times against the Texans. That may or may not be wrong, but it wouldn't surprise me. Um, and it, it could happen again. Yeah. Washington at Eagles. Washington will clinch the NFC East title with a win in this game. We already discussed Jalen Hurts. Um, I want to get into Dwayne Haskins for a minute. Uh, both Ryan Leaf and Jamarcus Russell had more than a thousand days before they were released. Josh Rosen was traded for like, you know, a 12th round pick to the Dolphins. So that was in effect a release. Dwayne Haskins gets canned 600 and something days in. Um, I, you know, and I had multiple issues with him coming out of Ohio State. I didn't see it. Um, then again, I didn't see Justin Herbert, so it's not like I'm always right. But I think if this guy had a clue on the field, he'd have multiple lives. So you got an on-field and off-field thing. The only thing I want to say is if anyone's – wanting to treat this as an indictment of black quarterbacks, shut the hell up, get off my Twitter feed, block yourself. So I don't have to block you and like, go right about curling. Just yeah. leave. Cause the last guy that did this was Johnny Menzel. Yeah. yeah so stop it. If, if Haskins was a quarterback with a bit of mobility, even the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL are black. Yeah. So shut up. It's not that issue at all. It's, the guy, he's a throwback to a bygone era of battleship quarterbacks. Like, that's as big an issue, if not perhaps more, than the immaturity showed off the field. But lots he's, of players are immature. So without Drew Bledsoe's processing ability, how do you supposed yeah. to? How are you supposed to do that in twenty twenty? So yeah. my point is, I don't know if you know we're talking about quarterbacks who are salvageable. Uh, I've heard the Panthers so. are interested, other teams, you know. It's the coach's ego of I can fix him. I don't think Dwayne Haskins is fixable. The last time I felt like this about a guy was Ryan Mallett. Yeah. I would not. I I gave Ryan Mallett. I I said, he's not draftable. Yeah. And Um, most of it was above the neck. A very long neck in his case. Right. Maybe the length of the neck. Maybe this is Mike Glennon's problem, too. It's like there's so much that has to go from the head to the body. It's just kind of lost on exit. Or something. Yeah. Yeah, Haskins is about his immaturity. Lots of guys are immature. It's not a black quarterback thing. No, it's a bad quarterback thing. It's Thank an you. immature quarterback thing. You mentioned Drew Bledsoe. Drew Bledsoe got a public citation for drinking in public. It was a dumb story when he was moving in after he was drafted. Somebody he was moving with threw him a beer. Bledsoe was like coming off, off the street from the truck, caught the beer, opened it and drank it while he was technically on public property, and a cop happened to be walking by. Nobody lost their minds over that. Like. By There's the way, more to it. The people were offended by that at Washington State is hilarious. Oh, he's when he was moving into the Foxborough area. So oh, okay. after he was drafted. I was gonna um, say because they know how to party in the Palouse. Uh, yeah, no. Laura um, is a coog, so I know. But with Haskins, it was multiple instances. I mean, last year taking the selfie when the game's not over, they had to run Case Keatum out there to down the ball for the final play. Like there were warded signs here. Um you know, but lots of guys are immature. Um, you have to have some talent to get that second act. And this I just does this hurt Justin Fields. What's interesting is you're seeing a lot of talk on Twitter and elsewhere right now is you know the question when was the last good Ohio State quarterback? You know, um, and there might not have been one in the NFL. I mean Joe Burrow, ouch. <laughs> 
Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> if you can claim Joe Burrow as, an, as a Buckeye, then maybe. Um, and you do see some of that, you know, and it's one of those scouted rules, scout the player, not the helmet. Um, but I'm sure that that's going to be some one of those. Once we get deeper into anonymous scout season, just that that's just coming me now. God. That is coming. That is the Ohio Hell State yeah. hasn't turned out a good quarterback. What's there to say that Justin Fields will be next? I am very excited to see Justin Fields against Clemson because that was that was the game that gave me the like not great feeling about him from last year. Now Brett Venables does a lot of complex things. You're going to see a lot of different stuff if you're Justin Fields. But I want to. I'm very curious to see how Fields looks against that defense well, this I year. Yeah, I haven't watched a ton of them yet. I was very unconvinced against Northwestern. So that was because with Fields, it was you saw that Clemson game last year that gave me the he gets to the right answer, but it's he's treating it like a take home test and not a timed examination. And that's this a problem. Isn't, quarterback isn't, the quarterback isn't multiple choice. No, no. A, B, C, um, or D. Go. And he Pick seemed one. to have figured that stuff out until that Big Ten championship game where it's like, whoa, it's back. Now he was missing his favorite target, Olay, the wide receiver. Um, so there are some things to think about, but if those issues are still apparent against Clemson on Friday, you might as well just put Zach Wilson, QB two and Sharpie on most of your boards. Because hey, that's you, know what? you know what? You know, I don't give a crap about if I'm a GM or a director of player personnel, if I'm going to pick you in the top five, you know, what I don't give a crap about whether you're missing your favorite target or not. Yeah. Couldn't because that happens in the less. NFL. Yeah. yeah. Couldn't possibly care less. Well, what I could care a lot about, I do care a lot about, uh, once again, thanks to all who have listened this year. It's been a very dark, difficult, and weird year. Um, just, I got married this year, which is awesome. Um, it was a fun wedding, too. You know, My daughter loved it. We got Mark on board, which has been a huge, major asset. Uh, when I call him our five-tool guy, I'm not kidding. Um, maybe think about the good stuff today in 2020. Um on to 2021, on to better things in all respects. Everyone stay safe and healthy out there. Um, keep your powder dry. Watch the bowl games. Have fun. Um, just stay safe. And, Mark, thanks again, as always, and rocking into 2021. Woo-hoo. Thank you, my friend. Happy New Year, everybody. Woo-hoo. All right, we're out. <laughs>